What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. The voice of Johnson County, Joko Community Radio. Welcome to the Her Show, Home Experience Radio, with your host, Trina Titus Lozano. This is a live call-in show that takes your calls and questions about marriage, family, and personal relationships. She's a licensed and ordained pastoral counselor, author, international conference speaker, wife, mom, and grandmother. She's been counseling and teaching vital relationship skills for over 30 years. Trina is real and relational and reveals strong truths spoken in tough love and common sense. Join us on the studio line now at 817-637-2585. And now, here's Trina. Hi, everybody. Welcome to The Her Show. I am Trina Titus Lozano, pastoral counselor, licensed and ordained Christian minister, and co-author of the Home Experience book. And I am excited today to talk to you about a topic that is so dear to my heart, and that is hospitality. I grew up in a very hospitable home. My mother, Debbie Titus, and my dad, Larry Titus, they were the most exemplary couple to just be the epitome of incredible hospitality. I mean, people would come from all walks of life, and they could always anticipate uh, a welcoming smile, an atmosphere of love and peace as they walked into our home, and they would barely be there just a minute when my mom would quickly offer them water or coffee or iced tea or something like this to to make them feel comfortable and give them a comfortable chair to sit in and point them to where the restroom was if they happen to need that. And, you know, this is just what it means to be hospitable. It means that you are welcoming. And this is an attitude, right? This is an attitude. So it doesn't matter where your home is uh, or what, what, you know, what type of home you have, or if it's, if it's large, or if it's just a small apartment. And as I saw my parents at transition from their very large home that at one point she referred to as the mentoring mansion, uh, they moved into a small two bedroom apartment and just transitioned, you know, for the end of her life into this apartment. My dad loves it so much. He's planning on staying there for the rest of his life. And it's just an incredible place, but it has the same spirit, the same attitude, the same uh, welcoming atmosphere that when you walk into even the small two-bedroom apartment, uh, they'll give you a tour, right? Which it takes all of, you know, one minute to see the tour of this place. And uh, they'll show you around and offer you a drink and a comfortable place to sit and then sit down for some conversation. That's what hospitality is all about. It's just about really preparing for your guests opening your home, opening your hearts, and for you to have that attitude 
of openness and the attitude of of wanting to welcome company into your lives. Uh, there was a lady who just shared with with me recently that she wanted to be hospitable but did not grow up this way. And since she did not grow up this way, she didn't really know what to do. And here she was an event planner, a party planner, and so she was accustomed to actually um, doing weddings, large receptions, corporate events, uh, big women's conferences, at church gatherings and things like this. And yet in her own home, she just wasn't comfortable or sure about inviting people into her home because as she was growing up, she never experienced that. Her parents never had company, never invited people into their home. And I thought, wow, you know, it is, it's, it's so beautiful for me to have these memories of my parents and my grandparents, by the way, uh, having this attitude of hospitality. Now, as you know, my grandmother lives with me. She will be 100 this year, and she still has this attitude of hospitality. Her table is always set, and she always is sure to have enough groceries and enough things in the freezer that if somebody would stop by unannounced, she could quickly prepare them a meal, and she would have anything that she needed in her pantry or in the freezer, and she could quickly do that and, and offer somebody a meal. And I think that is so great. My mom would tell a story about when she was a young girl outside of their home right outside the back door, they had a picnic table. And this picnic table was not just for family to to sit outside for a meal, but also if someone would knock on their door and this person was hungry, they said, have them wait out here and have a seat at the table and go in and make them a sandwich. Now, I don't know if you can even comprehend what kind of time period we lived for this to even be the case. So she grew up in a very small town. Okay. Literally five blocks long and three blocks wide. Okay. So very tiny town in Chular, California. And their home, their family home was situated right next to the railroad tracks. And at the time there would be what we would call hobos, hobos, um, that would come on the train, would hop off the train and sometimes just knock on the door and uh, look for a place. Now, in this tiny town, there were no hotels, there were no motels, there was no place to just stay for a person that was in need. But my grandparents instructed her, if someone ever comes that is hungry, Uh, Don't let them come in the house if you're home alone, but offer them a sandwich. And they can sit at the picnic table. I think that is so extraordinary. And here's the thing. It's such an attitude, an attitude of serving, even serving strangers. There's a scripture in the Bible that says to serve strangers because you never know they could be an angel and you are unaware that you are actually entertaining an angel. And you know, I don't know that it ever happened that my mom made a sandwich for a hobo, but if it ever happened, she knew what to do. She was trained and she knew what to do. She knew that in their family, they were hospitable to everyone, friends, family, and strangers. Uh, So this is the attitude that she carried on in her own life and even wrote a book, the Home Experience book, and, and created a whole curriculum around the idea of 
of bringing people to your home, bringing people to your table, uh, preparing a guest room, preparing a seat for them at the table. And uh, as a pastor's wife, she did this. My dad would often invite people over and people might be new visiting the church or maybe had come to his office for some counseling and he would just feel moved to say, hey, why don't you come over for dinner? And at the last minute, he would call my mom and say, I have an extra two people for dinner. Can you set the table for two extra people? And he would bring these extra people, you know, into our home for a meal. And this was nothing unusual for my brother and I to experience that at our family dinner table, there were extra people. And sometimes there was an advance notice and many times there was not an advance notice. My mom grew up this way too. My grandma said that she would always have pies baked that she would keep in the freezer, homemade pies that she would keep in the freezer so that if anyone wanted to come over for dessert spontaneously, she could quickly pull out that pie from the freezer. And so she said frequently, even before going to church on a Wednesday night or a Sunday night, she would anticipate that people might want to come over or stop by and just spontaneously accept an invitation to come over for dessert after church. And so she would just set the pie out in advance, thaw it out, and then she was prepared if someone was able to spontaneously accept the invitation. So I found myself doing this in my own home. Now, as I was raised this way, there was never a time that I resented it. I love people and I watched my parents love people and my grandparents love people. And this is just something that I wanted to implement in my own life. When I was married, my husband's mother and father were also very hospitable and I really admired that about them as well. And my husband and I, we always created a space in our home that we would have a guest room. And although we had four children, if we needed to have the kids share a room, we did that so we could share a space and reserve a space for a guest room. And so it became, you know, just well known, and it still is, that if somebody needs a place to stay, they can call me up and I don't need advance notice. It's just always prepared and they can have a place to stay in our home. And I people do call these days or text or kind of reserve a room is kind of what they, they say. And I even have had people joke around that our home was like a hotel as our kids have grown and moved on with their own lives, uh, I've got four children. They're all adults. Three are married and 12 grandchildren. At this season in our life, we've they've left four empty rooms in our home. Okay. So uh, my grandma still has her, her apartment off the back of our house. And then I still have four guest rooms upstairs. Well, these rooms we have, I can sleep. I've just arranged the rooms to be able to sleep a lot of people. So when people came in town for my mom's memorial service last month, they automatically knew there would be a place to stay. And so people were just kind of reserving this place to stay. And, uh, and it, you know, it's great. And when people come in for a family reunion every year, you know, there's just always a place to stay. And that is what we want to do. We want to have such an attitude of hospitality that people just know if they need a place to stay, they can call me and and the, the doors will be open. 
If the beds are full, they can have the couch. If the couch is full and the beds are full, they can have the floor. But we will find a spot for whoever is in need. And this is the attitude of hospitality. You know, I know that I am rare. I know that especially right now in 2023, it is unusual for people to feel comfortable to opening their homes. But this is so critical to impact the world. You know, my mom used to say, home is where hearts are formed. And it's so true. Home is where people's hearts are healed. Home is where where when we reach out in hospitality, uh, the love that somebody feels can completely change the, their lives. It can impact them in a way that it completely changes uh, their life and, and for the better. And it can, it can take a hard heart and make it soft. It can take a person that has felt so neglected and make them feel welcome and loved just because you, maybe you have set the table and prepared a meal for them and invited them to the table. Or maybe you have put clean sheets on the bed with nice fluffy pillows and a note and maybe even a gift that says, welcome to my home. Uh, we're happy to have you here. You know, this is, this is rare these days. This is what you want to make a goal in your life. This is what you want to make a goal in your life. This is how you can best impact the world is to make the change at home, not just for your family, but your family and others, right? For your family, for sure, and your family and others. I think many people don't even have an attitude of hospitality toward their own family, where their own family doesn't even feel welcome there. Everybody sort of feels like um, that they are in the way or that they're a bother or that they, you know, are somehow a nuisance or uh, they're creating too many messes or, you know, that, that it's a problem to have them at home. And so so people just sort of will isolate, go to their own room and just close the door and sort of think, I'm just going to stay to myself. I don't want to, I don't want to be a bother to anyone. But I just encourage you, open your home, open your heart, set your home up that your family doesn't want to stay in your room, your fam- in their rooms. Your family wants to come out of their rooms because the atmosphere of the home is an atmosphere of hospitality. And uh, I, was, I was looking up the definition of hospitality, just, just preparing for today's show. And I thought, you know, I wonder, I wonder what, what just the definition, just the raw definition of hospitality is. And it says that hospitality is the friendly and generous reception and entertainment of guests, visitors. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Or strangers. Okay, guests, visitors, or strangers. So, let's even take that a step further. Guests, visitors, strangers, and your family. 
what if your attitude even towards your family was the same as it would be if you had a visitor? (laughs) You know, my mom used to say, you know, if you have a visitor or a special occasion and people are coming over for a holiday, maybe on that occasion you will unpack your grandmother's china and set the table beautifully with the china. Well, what if you did it just for your family? What if you chose maybe on a random Wednesday night or Friday night or Sunday afternoon to set the table with the china, to pour a special beverage, to make a special dessert and to make a special homemade meal, your family um, would be so amazed and they would feel so special, right? Just as if they were a visitor. You know, if you're going to treat a visitor special, at the very least, don't you think you should treat your family equally as special? I mean, I'm thinking yes, absolutely, for sure. I love to do this. I love to just create beautiful meals and place settings and uh, tablescapes just for a regular day. It's just so fun, and it makes your family understand that you actually love hospitality. You love serving them, right? You have this attitude of generosity. Like, it's not too much trouble to make a meal. It is a privilege for you to be generous with your time. It's a privilege for you to receive your family when they come home from work or come home from school. It's that reception. Same thing when you have a guest that comes in. You know, don't be so casual that when a guest or a family member comes to the front door that you don't greet them at the door. Stop what you're doing. Put your phone down. Go to the door. Open the door. Say, hey, Welcome home, (laughs) you know, even if it's your children or grandchildren or your husband or your wife for the men who are listening. Hey, welcome home, right? Welcome them. Uh, If it's it's dark, turn on the porch light. Uh, If your front porch is a mess, sweep the porch and uh, prepare for the arrival of your family or of guests and be excited about when they come home. And at the very least, meet people at the door. You know, when I'm doing premarital counseling, uh, oftentimes people ask, what, what are the little things that we can do to make the biggest difference? And I always tell them, one of the little things that is actually a really big thing is say hello and goodbye at the door. Stop what you're doing. Say hello and goodbye. Of course, if you're, if you're married and or, or with your children, you want to do a hug and a kiss, hello and goodbye, right? If it's someone you don't know very well, maybe just a side hug or even a handshake if it's, if it's a first-time introduction. But just greeting someone at the door, both for a hello and a goodbye, these are the little things that impact people's lives where they feel wanted, they feel welcome, they feel special, they know that they matter. In a world full of people that don't have this opportunity to matter, in a world full of people that have been isolated, beginning with COVID and then maybe never actually reconnected person to person, we got to invite people into our home and reconnect, y'all. We have to reconnect, reconnect with our friends, we connect, reconnect with our family. 
This is hospitality. It's that connection. It's the attitude. It's the connection, that generous reception. It's the way that you treat them. And uh, it is an attitude. It's an attitude that you matter and you matter to me. And even an attitude saying you matter so much that I've actually prepared for your arrival, prepared by setting the table or fixing a meal or uh, tidying up the house, right? These little things are the big things that impact people's lives. Not so much because of what you say, but because of how you make them feel. How you make them feel. You know, and it's just not the same in a restaurant or a hotel. I know the hospitality industry, right, which would be restaurants and hotels, you know, they, they will be taught customer service, right? They'll be taught to greet their guests and maybe to say hello at the door. And that's becoming a little bit more popular where you can walk in to five below and they'll say, hi, you know, welcome to the store, you know. And then at the end of checking out, uh, there's a little survey that said, did somebody greet you at the door? You know, and I could say, yeah, sure, they greeted me at the door. But you know what? Even though that's friendly and kind and, and creates, um, you know, a, a nice welcome as you walk into a particular store, That's not life-changing. It's not life-changing. But when you prepare your home, and it doesn't matter if you live in a dorm, it doesn't matter if you live in a mansion and anything in between, it doesn't matter what city, what, what neighborhood in what city, it doesn't matter even what country you live in. It's all about attitude, preparation, reception, and really stopping what you're doing to pay attention to the people that you've invited into your home. And you might say, well, I'm not really a cook. I don't really like to, you know, uh, cook fancy meals. Hey, okay. It doesn't have to be fancy. You know, if you can read, you can cook. At least you could bake some brownies. Or like I like to do, you could pick up the chocolate chip cookies in the refrigerator section of the grocery store and bake some home home baked cookies. Okay, not homemade because the dough's already made, right? But they're still, they're Nestle Toll House. They're delicious. I mean, there you go. It's all ready for you. All you have to do is turn on your your oven and bake the cookies. Home baked cookies. Keep it easy if that's who you are, but make it part of your New Year's resolution to be hospitable to have a hospitable attitude, to bring people into your space, into your home, into your life to make a difference in their lives. The little things are the big things and this has the most impact. So I've got a few questions that I want to answer during the show today. And um, let's see. Uh, One of them is just perfectly on this topic. I want to be hospitable, but growing up, we never had guests in our home at all. I don't feel confident and I really don't know what to do. Okay. So listen, there are great books about hospitality. So you can, you can Google this, you can watch videos, you can watch YouTube videos, but once you determine that you want to learn this, It doesn't matter what your background is, you make up your mind that you want to learn it, okay? And I highly recommend my book, The Home Experience Book, which you can get on Amazon. And another book that is wonderful is called Extraordinary Hospitality. This is an incredible book that you can also order on Amazon, but um, 
it's it's going to also give you uh, the how to of just being hospitable. Okay extraordinary hospitality. And again, this doesn't mean that it's going to be difficult. She will walk with you step-by-step. Victoria Durstock is her name. She'll walk with you step-by-step. And uh, she's just an incredible woman. And she will give you the tools that you need. My book, The Home Experience Book, will give you the tools that you need. Reach out to me. I'm happy to help. But make up your mind and make it a goal. I talk a lot about goals and desires and make it a goal that you are going to learn what to do so that you feel confident. Now, one person told me, how do you keep your home picked up all the time? Especially when my kids were little, I I would have people comment on this frequently. Your house is always picked up. It seems like it's always, you know, fairly organized and pretty tidy. And I just said, you know what? You invite company over and I bet your house will be cleaned up by the time they get there. And that was kind of one thing that I did. I enjoyed being hospitable. I enjoyed having uh, ladies over for coffee, for tea or for play dates or for cookies or for dinner, whatever the situation may be specifically for parties and especially for parties. I loved parties, birthday parties, baby showers, wedding showers, all all those types of things. Uh, but just for play dates and just, just a quick afternoon cup of coffee, it was just fun to invite people over. And I did it frequently. And I actually so looked forward to someone coming over that that was the incentive that I needed to get my house cleaned up, okay? Because when it's just, you know, my husband and my kids, it's like, ah, I'm going to do all this work and then it's just going to be messed up. Maybe they wouldn't even appreciate it anyway. But you know what? When you have company over, it just gives you that sort of added incentive. And so I think that's a great way to start. So your step one could be get something on the calendar. Okay, so say, um, maybe a Galentine's party. And, you know, I, I like to bring people to my table. So take a look at your table. If your table seats six, invite five ladies over. Okay. Or maybe you might, you might need to invite 10. So five will give you a yes to the RSVP or invite early enough. Uh, so you can keep, you know, inviting more and more and more, uh, until you are able to fill up your table. Because of course, everyone will want to come possibly, but they won't necessarily be available. But you could start with something like that. Or if that's too soon, uh, you could start preparing for a Oh, a St. Patrick's Day party or something, or just make up something. But you can prepare. If, if you're a Christian, you might want to prepare a, a, a get together for a little Bible study or a little book club, or like I said, maybe maybe a different sort of occasion. You can make up any reason to invite people over. But I like for you to take a look at your table. Invite however many women will fit around your table because the conversation is so incredible when you're sitting at the table, eye to eye, face to face. And we love conversation cards, okay? And with special conversation cards, you can just ask really fun and interesting questions and they will promote laughter, they will promote connection, and even people who are not really accustomed to this type of a gathering, they will have such a great time and they will want to return uh, to your home, to your table. So look at your table. Even if it only seats four people, then invite three. 
If it seats 10 people, invite nine. So the counting yourself, you guys can come together around the table. And I'm a Christian, so I always also invite the presence of Jesus at our table. And we like to pray together. We like to talk about the Lord together. We like to talk about our families. And we like to talk about other things, just like uh, shopping and decorating and home organization and maybe exchange recipes. It's just so fun. I just want to encourage you, take the step. Step one, choose a date. Step two, invite your friends, okay? Then you can figure out what kind of a party you want to have or what kind of a menu you want to do, menu you like to do. But it'll be fun. Get it on the calendar. Okay, stay with me. After the break, I'm talking more about mentoring and hospitality. I'll be right back right here on Joko Community Radio. I'm Trina. Be right back. Wilfred Brimley for Loafing Dog. Uh, I'm Wilfred Brimley for Loafing Dog. You know when I get the hankering for a hot dog, I go to Cleveland, Texas. Just get the blocks off the square, they got Loafing Dog. They got the Neely Dog, the Mary Sunshine Dog, the Casey Dog, and the Shirley Dog. Why, they even got the Pacer Dog, the Brooklyn Dog, and the Jim Dog. Can't forget the Shane Dog. Or the Joy Dog, and the Monty Dog, I like that fool. The Nakia Dog and the Braxton Dog round things off. Why, they even got a kid's menu, too. Loafing Dog, 208 East Chamber Street, Cleburne, Texas. Lunch, catering, or takeout, plus outdoor seating. Phone number is 817-556-1040. This is Wilford Brimley. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Fast Track Student Loans can get your student loans out of default, stop any wage garnishments, stop collection calls, and stop seizure of your tax refund. Give yourself a break. Stop the stress and get your student loan payments down to as little as $25 a month based on what you can afford to pay. 800-709-4395. Out of date carpet giving you the blues? Tired of your old dingy and broken tile? Let my friends at the floor store in Cleburne, Texas give your home the makeover it deserves. This is old Taco Joe coming to you for the floor store. Whether it's carpet, tile, wood flooring, or real wood laminate, the floor store can cover all of your flooring needs. 
Located at 405 West Henderson Street in Cleveland, Texas, owner Brent Harris can help. Shower tile, tub surrounds, even backsplashes. Give them a call today at 817-641-9444. The Floor Store, they got you covered. You're listening to JoCo Community Radio. Welcome back to JoCo Community Radio. We are proud to be the voice of Johnson County, Texas, and we are live 24-7 on the TuneIn Radio Network. TuneInJoco.com is the place to find all the ways to listen and watch, and the station app is also available for free on Android and Apple devices, so simply search your store. Check out our lineup and more at Joco Community Radio. This episode and more brought to you by Patriot Claims, making your insurance work for you. So reach out to your Texas sales rep, 844-TEXT.HAIL, that's 844 Four two four five, And also be sure to dress your arms and more at thetiffy.com. That's right. This is great accessories, thetiffy.com. Thetiffy, T-H-E-T-I-F-F-I-E.com. So I'm Trina, and I am talking to you today about hospitality and mentoring And I've got also some more questions that I'm answering. So before I head into these other topics, let me go ahead and answer some of these other questions. Okay, I'm engaged. How do I prepare to be a good wife? Well, I love that you even care about this because I think a lot of women want to be married, but they don't want to be wives. (laughs) I think a lot of men want to be married, but they don't want to be husbands. And you know, there is very much a difference between just being married and being a wife or a husband. So since this is written by a lady and the question is about being a wife, I'll I'll specifically answer the question to her. How do you prepare to be a good wife? Well, of course, there's lots of good books. And of course, asking me questions, specifically scheduled premarital counseling. Okay, that is number one. Scheduled premarital counseling. You need it. We have a great program here in Texas that I work with called Together in Texas, T-W-O, Together in Texas. So uh, premarital counseling, and that will help you with the relational part. But as far as um, other things, think about what needs your husband has, your future husband will have. And uh, you want to consider that being married, you will be committed and you're committing your life to meeting his needs to the extent that you are even at some points being very sacrificial in this. Because being married in a way that is really healthy and really fulfilling, it's not about what you can get. It's more about what you can give. And so keep in mind, what is it that I can give to my husband to be a good wife? Okay, so his needs are affection. Okay, so now it's non-sexual affection. And I do recommend that you save yourself until marriage and really, really wrap your head around that marriage is a sexual relationship. So after you get married, you're going to want to really anticipate and plan on having a great sex life in your marriage because marriage is a sexual relationship. So just just prepare yourself uh, mentally to know that that means you're going to be having sex and making love to your husband between 
three and seven days a week and for the rest of your life. And that's good news, okay? That's not a chore. That is not anything that you have to put on your to-do list. This is really, really great news, okay? Because it's good for him. It's good for you. It's good for the marriage in a real physical way. It is the two becoming one flesh. And of course, it's not just for reproduction, but it's also for pleasure. And it really brings a lot of unity and bonding to your marriage. So you want to keep that in mind. But it's not just a physical thing. It's an emotional thing. Men are very, very fragile. So men need respect. They need respect and honor. So you can begin now watching the way you talk to your boyfriend, your fiance. Um, Prepare yourself by learning to speak with respect when you're talking to him, when you're talking about him, when you're texting him, whether it be little things about the schedule or details about the wedding, uh, small talk or more serious conversations, be respectful. Men do not handle well, and especially husbands, they don't handle it well if women are talking down to them And especially if women try to mother them or boss them around or tell them what to do, treat them like a child, it's not going to be well. So begin now preparing for your marriage by beginning now to just check yourself and really, really have a respectful um, attitude toward him. That, That honor and respect is really one of the most important qualities that you can have as a fiance and ultimately as a wife. Okay, in addition to that, you want to prepare yourself to be a very good domestic support. Men love domestic support. And uh, it's not about just the cooking and cleaning and vacuuming and and laundry and ironing and things like this. It's it's really about attitude. Uh, The Bible says that uh, the woman is to be the keeper of the home. Okay, the keeper of the home doesn't mean that the man doesn't help, doesn't mean that he's, you know, he certainly participates and he lives there too and he's, he's part of it. However, I want you to prepare yourself to accept the responsibility to grocery shop, to plan the meals. And if you don't know how to cook right now, as you're preparing to be a wife, learn how to cook. You don't need to take a gourmet cooking class if that's not your particular interest or the hobby of choice that you have. But at least prepare yourself to know how to cook, I mean, I would say 10 meals. And they can be very simple, not difficult. You can Google it. You can look up on on uh, YouTube, even things that are what I would call semi-homemade, where you know you're you're preparing things that are kind of prepared foods, but with a little bit of a fresh twist on it. Uh, you know, like I said before, baking chocolate chip cookies. You can do that Nestle Toll House cookie recipe from scratch and have fresh baked cookies when your husband comes home from work or fresh baked cookies on a Friday night or Sunday afternoon when he's watching football or a Monday night. You know, or you can buy the ready-made dough in the refrigerator section of the grocery store that's what I would call semi-homemade, okay? You're not homemaking the dough. Maybe with a full-time job, you don't have time to do that. But you're home baking the cookies versus just a bag of a package of Oreos or a package of Chips Ahoy, right? You're home baking them. So think about cooking. And I would recommend coming up with 10 recipes, a variety of 10 different things that you can just simply rotate 
And these will be your 10 specialties. And, you know, you don't have to cook, cook every single day after you get married, but you want to do it frequently. You really do. Uh, and you want to be able to, okay? This is an important aspect of being a wife. And this is what is going to really honor your husband and to prepare meals for him and and your children, this is a privilege. It is an amazing thing to be able to do. Okay, so prepare yourself that way. Also, prepare yourself by learning to be a good housekeeper. If you don't know how to clean toilets, learn how to do it. Read the directions on the back of the toilet bowl cleaner. <laughs> you, you need you need specifically toilet bowl cleaner. There was a lady who said, I don't know what's going on, but my toilets are always just black. And I don't understand why. She actually thought that when you flush the toilet, that that cleaned the toilet. Well, in her household, they had a maid. And so the maid kept the toilets clean. Well, when she uh, got married, she was pretty shocked that the toilets turned black if you didn't clean them. And, uh, but yeah, you know, get yourself a toilet brush. You need a specific kind of toilet brush and you need a specific type of toilet bowl cleaner. And, uh, you just squirt that cleaner in there. You swish it around with the brush and you get way up underneath the edges. You wipe out, you wipe all along the seat and the outside and all the way on the floor and the whole toilet inside and out. You disinfect the whole thing. And, uh, that is something you need to be, uh, be, comfortable doing. Okay. That's part of being a wife. You're going to clean toilets. And you know what? It's not a big deal. You can clean the whole toilet in five minutes. It's really not complicated, but it has to be done. And you do not need to pay a maid or a housekeeper to do that. Okay. You could just do that. It's not difficult. And I always keep the toilet brush and the toilet bowl cleaner right there. And so that's a way to prepare to be a wife. Learn how to clean, practice cleaning, whatever space that you're in right now. It could be a dorm room. It could be your own apartment, whatever it is. Even if you if you happen to be still living at home or maybe you moved back home after college and you're saving money to get married, I don't I don't know your situation. But clean your own space. Clean it regularly so you are accustomed to it. You need to learn to take care of yourself. If you don't already make your bed every day, that's one way to prepare to be a wife. Make your bed every day. Wash your sheets once a week. Okay? This is a way to prepare to be a wife. If you don't know how to iron a shirt, then learn how to iron a shirt. You know, you start with the collar and then you start with the sleeves and then you, you know, learn how to iron a shirt. I just had an engaged girl uh, at my house uh, about a month ago and uh, she was a relative. They were over for the holidays and she said, I don't know how to iron a shirt and I need to learn how. I was like, girl, come on over here to the ironing board and let me show you how to iron a shirt. These are skills that you want to know before you get married. This this will help you know that you can just be prepared. Okay, you could be completely prepared. So these are just some practical ways to prepare to be married. And most of all, set your mind to the fact that being married is being married is a privilege. It is a joy. And this is going to be the most incredible time of your life. So think positively about it. And in fact, if you are around people who talk negatively about marriage, make new friends, okay? Because you want to be around people that talk very positively about marriage. If you know somebody who you think is a great wife, maybe even a great mother, ask them if you can hang out with them, okay? Ask them if they could mentor you. And I bet they would be happy to take you under their wing and do that for you. 
That will give me a little bit of a segue into mentoring. And I think it's it's important for us to talk about this. Let's look at what it is that we love. What is your passion? What do you love doing? What are you good at? Okay, the kind of thing that you would do it even if you weren't being paid to do it. Okay, the kind of thing that you just love doing. Well, this is a perfect opportunity for you to be a mentor. Find someone or just keep your eyes open. And if you see someone who is sort of wanting to learn, and you can tell by the way that they keep asking you questions, pull them into your world and say, hey, would you like to come sit with me and do this with me? Let's do it together. And uh, let's clean the house together. Let's do the radio show together. Let's make a website together. Let's, uh, let's watch the kids together. Let's plan this party together. And bring them in. And that way you begin training somebody else. That's what mentoring is. It really is bringing somebody into your life where you uh, train them. You advise them. Uh, you teach them, you work together with them, and together you you learn and grow in a way that you celebrate each other's successes. They're acknowledging that you're more of an expert than they are, and they come to you with a teachable heart, a teachable attitude, a teachable spirit, and they want to learn from you. Well, um, one thing you want to do is you want to develop trust with them, okay, so that whoever you are mentoring trusts you that you're going to not lead them astray, but you're going to teach them, and you're going to teach them as much as you know, and you're going to cheer them on, okay? And so there needs to be a little bit of a trust factor there. And also where there's enough trust that when you need to bring correction, and you will, because when someone is learning, they will make mistakes where you can say, oh, no, 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 that's not the way you do it. You need to do this instead. That's not going to work, right? So uh, you build a trust where you can bring correction, you can guide, you can lead, you can direct, and they won't have their feelings hurt when you need to bring a little bit of correction. And that is always part of training, okay? Then the next thing that you want to do when you're a mentor, you want to be able to uh, have goals, you know, set goals so that they are, they've got goals, you've got goals, and together you can say, okay, what do we want to accomplish during this time that I am training you? And so it's it's really a neat thing to do to set the goals and then to sort of be able to check things off the list as they learn, as they grow, as they mature, and as they as they themselves then become really good at what they're doing. And as they learn the lessons that they need to learn, then what happens is you take the action then to celebrate their success, and then you release them to then teach someone else. And that's, I think that's one of the benefits of mentoring is the process of taking someone from step one 
all the way through until they become so comfortable that then they go to a level of success that then they can train somebody else. And as we are doing this, we always want to stay in a posture of not only teacher, but always also a learner. So I like to do this in my life. I I like to pull people in and teach them. And sometimes I'm teaching them relationship skills. Sometimes I'm teaching them about parenting or hospitality uh, or or other types of skills uh, like um you know, it, it could be anything from practical things like I just shared with you with cooking or cleaning. And it could be more complex things like how like affair recovery or uh, addiction recovery or uh, conflict resolution, you know, some of these more complicated things. Or maybe the, maybe someone's just interested in learning more about the Bible and I can teach them more about theology or more about God. Whatever you know, you can teach somebody else. And I encourage you to do that. Whatever you do don't know, you can learn from somebody else. And to have a growth mindset is so necessary. Now, Carol Dweck, she she began talking about a growth mindset really to the educators of the world. And uh, it it's a mindset that you never come to a place where you just say, I'm just not fill in the blank. Like for example, I'm just not an athlete or I'm just not domestic, or I'm just not a cook, or I'm just not a mother type, or I'm just not a wife type of person. You know, that is a closed mindset. If you replace that or add to that the word yet, the power of yet to say, I'm just not an athlete yet, but I'd like to learn to be. I see that you've run a marathon recently. Where did you start? What do you think would be a good step one for me? And hey, would you like to be my trainer? Because I'd like to make it a goal to run a marathon next year. Uh, You know, sign up for a 5K or or any sort, maybe even just a fun run, just begin. But but you've got to change your mindset where if you have been saying, I'm not an athlete or I'm not a runner, that you say, I'm not a runner yet, okay? Or if you say, I'm just not domestic, okay? The growth mindset is, I'm just not domestic yet, okay? So the power of yet means that you can empower yourself to learn. Put yourself in a position with a growth mindset that all of a sudden you begin learning everything you can about whatever it needs to be that you need to learn, whatever you're interested in or whatever area in your life that you know is lacking. And I think with all of us, we need to be both a mentor and a mentee, okay? We need to be able to train people and we also need to learn from others. You know, that's what keeps us humble (laughs) is the recognition that I don't know it all. There's a lot that I don't know, and I've got to stay in a growth mindset and keep learning. So here we are at the end of January, and we are just beginning to um, come towards the the mid part of this month, and some of you have already uh, broken your New Year's resolutions, <laughs> or 
did I say January? At the mid of February. Gosh, what? See, that's how time is going flying by already. Okay, so we are coming into mid-February here. I guess we're not mid. I should just look at the date. Okay, I'm thinking about Super Bowl Sunday that's coming up. We're This is the 6th of February. Okay, Trina, get your... Get your calendar straight. Okay. Bottom line is some people have already broken their New Year's resolutions. Okay. Here's me, y'all. I have not even started my New Year's resolutions yet. I, I just have, I just started off the year with so many changes on, uh, as a result of my mom's passing that I really have not even started on my own personal growth this year. And I'm just like starting to embrace these things going, oh, whoa, I've got a lot to learn. But, you know, whenever we open our mind to learning and growing, the sky is the limit. The possibilities are endless. So I encourage you to have a growth mindset. And for this young wife uh, to be, this young engaged woman that asked this question, I'm so proud of you for just the interest in learning how to be a good wife. The fact that you have interest means that you're going to be a great one. And I am happy to help in any way that I can. In fact, you need to get our book too, Home Experience, The Home Experience. Order on Amazon. You will love it. Uh, Okay, look, I've got another question here. This is actually a parenting question. Uh, I have two kids, 10 and 12. One is going through a really hard time, and I feel like I'm neglecting the good kid. (laughs) Um, Should I be concerned? You know what? I do think that you should be cautious. And I think that the fact that you are recognizing that maybe you should be a little concerned, I I want you to be cautious. And I think that this is... Uh, something that we all need to be cautious with in our family dynamics because it's sort of the squeaky wheel syndrome <laughs> where uh, the the troublemaker of the family gets the most attention, kind of like the squeaky wheel gets the most attention, right? And I think that we do need to be cautious with that because then it, it really can tend to be almost like you're rewarding the bad behavior with your quality time. And then everyone else who who um, has maybe good behavior or who isn't causing any problems, they're getting more neglected because your time and energy is spent on uh, connecting or correcting or just sim- or maybe even just worrying about uh, the, the troublemaker of the family. Okay, so... I. Uh, I have a few suggestions. Uh, For example, uh, ages 10 and 12, well, there's only two children, but still, when you are together with them, if the scenario is that you're together with the whole family, even just training them with family dynamics and in social awareness, if one is really acting out, uh, I, I do suggest that they take a break. I that you recommend me time and you say, you know what, you need to take a break. How about you go sit in my office for a little bit and I'll be in in, in a little bit and we can have a talk about what's upsetting you. Uh, And then, you know, stay connected to the rest of the family. And then uh, when you're finished with dinner or when you're finished playing the game or when you're finished with watching the movie or whatever, whenever you're finished with the family time, then you go in and you revisit that child that was having an attitude problem and say, okay, 
let's talk about what happened. And here's the thing. Quality time with you is super important. I can have quality time with you right now. In that moment, you know, there's the whole family to consider. And so I just couldn't stop what I was doing with everyone else to, you know, to spend the quality time with you. What is it that's on your mind? What is really what is the thing that's really upsetting you? And then you can have a conversation about it. But I do think that when they are acting out in that moment, uh, that is not the moment for you to really uh, give them your full and undivided attention because really um, it just does not train them in emotional intelligence, really. And now it's different if we're talking about a one-year-old or a two-year-old that may need immediate attention. But we're talking about a 10 and 12-year-old or or sometimes teenagers are really good at this where you'll have a teenager really acting out and you feel like, and they get the immediate attention. And I, I just think it's better for you to, to not ignore the fact that there's the whole rest of the family that also deserves your attention when it is, when it is family time. Uh, you, do, you have to be careful. And even as children become adults, and in my season of life now with four grown sons and daughters and 12 grandchildren, uh, it, it's very important that I don't give all the attention to somebody who's really having trouble. And I, I, we don't see this in our family and dynamic. I, we're so aware of it. However, in some marriages and families that I am working with in my counseling office, you'll see a person who will be, say, for example, a drug addict. And so this addict has all the attention of the father and mother, all the attention of trying to get them recovered from their addiction. And their addiction is just wreaking havoc on the well-being of all the family dynamics. And then the mother or father specifically and quite often it's the mother that gets so emotionally entangled in this child's problems. And it ends up being to the extent that everyone else is really kind of neglected because this troublemaker is really getting your time, your money, your resources is all going to trying to help the troublemaker. And quite frequently, the troublemaker doesn't even want your help. They don't respect you. They don't, they're, they're not, they are not even, they're not trying to help themselves to the extent that you're trying to help them. So really you become an enabler and they become, it becomes a very codependent relationship where everyone else is being neglected. So I do think that you are right to be concerned about this from this age and just make a little bit of an adjustment so that you are aware. You guys, we need to always be aware. So there's your emotional intelligence and I will conclude this, uh, this time on the Her Show. Home Experience Radio, making your home a place of love and peace. Let's use emotional intelligence. We want to have that, that self-awareness, the self-management, our social awareness, and then the relationship management. And we want to have good emotional intelligence as we are interacting with our family and friends, opening our home and uh, opening our lives and our hearts to other people as well. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm Trina, and it's always a pleasure to be here with you every Monday afternoon on The Her Show. Hugs and high fives. From Burleson to Venus and Grandview to Godly, 
This is the voice of Johnson County. Joko Community Radio. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.